In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We are in the third Sunday of this last full month of the Coptic year. And because we celebrated the Feast of the Assumption of the Mother of God last Thursday, uh, the Gospel is now speaking a little bit about St. Mary, saying, Who are my mother and my brothers? And our Savior gives a definition for that. But before we get into the Gospel message, I want to point out uh, just something that we do when we pray uh, the litany of the Gospel right beforehand. Right? What, what are we doing? We say, many, we repeat the words of Christ, many prophets and righteous men have desired to see the things which you see and have not seen them, to hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. Blessed are your eyes, for they see your ears, for they hear. So we are given this blessing, and then we pray to God, may we be worthy to hear, and not just to hear, but to act, to do according to that. And then we get to the reasons not to be at church. How do we get to the reasons not to be? In the next part, remember, O Lord, those who have asked us, those who couldn't come today, who have asked us to pray for them, those who have reposed, and those who are sick. And it's important just to pause because now we're at this moment in time where we're about to hear the Word of God and there are those who are yearning, desiring to be here. The fact that we are healthy, the fact that we are alive, let us not take this lightly when we come to church. Let us come with this eagerness. There are people that wish to, like we just said, many prophets and righteous men have desired to see what you see and to hear what you hear. Right? And they couldn't. They're not, they weren't allowed. They didn't come in the right time. And here we are in the right time in the right place. So let us remember that. And we say this, these prayers on their behalf. We remember those who have departed. We remember those who, have, who are sick and cannot come. And we say, because God, in the end, you are the life of us all. You are the salvation, you are our hope, you are the one who uh, is the resurrection of all of us. Those of us who could not come, we still rely on you. In today's Gospel, the first part speaks about demons. It says in the very first line, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem. So these people were important individuals, these scribes. And they were coming down to investigate Christ. And there were rumors about what Christ had done. And so now they were coming. And this is the reason also why his brother, his brothers, which are you know, his cousins, his mother are outside. They're trying to save him. They're saying, we got to get you out of here before you get yourself in trouble. Because now, if, you, if you're reading between the lines and understanding what's going on, Jesus has begun to cause problems. And so that's why these people are coming down. And then what's the first tactic? The first tactic in sort of putting down the, uh, our Savior in His service, in His ministry, is to say, oh, this is, this is a demon. You know, he's not, this, isn't, this isn't of God. And why is this a tactic? This is something that we, many people typically do, either whether it's in politics or in the church. When you want to undercut the, uh, the opponent, you start to refer to that per per person in different ways. Like, you know, sort of when we call, you know, Bernie Sanders a communist, right? He's a, he's a communist. That's what he's trying to do. He's, that's when we're trying to undermine this person's message. I'm not 
trying to talk politics. I'm just trying to say when we, when we say these words about somebody, we're, we're, we're calling them, or in our church, forgive me, in our church, we say, oh, that priest, he's Protestant. That bishop, he's Protestant. Right? That's how we all, oh, that's not us. That's another, those, he belongs to something else. Well, this is essentially what the Jews are doing to Christ. But my point, or what I want to talk about here first, is that demons and the devil and the work of the devil is real. I mean, I, th- I think when I was younger, what happened to me in my own personal life is that we used to hear about demon possession and the works of the devils, but over time, that talk and that, that sort of discussion became less and less. And it reminded me of a quote that I had heard uh, in a movie, and I'm sure somebody famous said it, but it, it was that the greatest thing the devil ever did was convince the world that he didn't exist. And that's where we're at now, is that the world will never talk to you about devils. You'll never go to your therapist or your psychologist or your psychiatrist, and they'll never talk to you about being demon-possessed. Right? You'll never hear that coming out of the news media. You'll never hear that coming out of your teachers, your professors. Nobody's ever going to speak about that because of this great work that the devil has done to convince us that he doesn't exist. Right? And so the world now operates under different approaches. Demons are real. And I'll tell you a story. I've been listening on SoundCloud to this book called Crazy John. Crazy John was a fool for Christ. I'll, I'll send the link out in, in the next uh, newsletter. He was what's called a fool for Christ. He acted foolish in his village. He was Greek, and he probably lived... I, I'm trying to figure out when he passed away, because the book... I don't have the book. I only have the um, audio, and I can't find the book at a reasonable price. But uh, essentially, I think he, he must have died in the last 20, 20 years or so, or 30 years. But in this book about Crazy John, it said that... Um, uh, he came across a particular, uh, a particular individual who was living a very sinful life. <clears throat> I'm going to try to get past this without uh, giving the sinful details, but essentially the sinful life was he moved, this individual moved to the neighborhood of Crazy John, who happened to be a very holy person. Crazy John knew, saw something in this individual and whenever this individual went out at night to, 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 to go after his sins, Crazy John would, would ruin it. He would, he would jump in and say something crazy about the individual, like, you know, he's got diseases, don't touch him, get away from him, don't, you know, you know just, just go far. And, and this individual is getting really upset and really frustrated. And so he decided one day he was going to go over and beat up you know, Crazy John, I think if I'm remembering the story. So he goes, he knocks on the door, and the second Crazy John opens the door, he says to him, I know you're, gonna here, to, you're here to beat me up. But, um, but uh, what he does is he begins to pray. He says, first, you know, uh, in some way he begins to pray on this individual. And from the story of the individual who's writing this, or uh, saying this, he says, I, black- I heard the voice of a demon come out of you. This individual, he said, and the individual is saying, I for so long had thought that this was just my way of life, that this was just what I was doing in my life, that this is just uh, a choice that I made. But he said, I heard the voice of the demon come out of me. And, and then he says, I blacked out. And then uh, Crazy John prayed over him, 
he went to a monastery, came back, got married, um, and, and began to live a life in the church. But what, what struck me was that the individual himself said, I just thought this was my choice, this was my decision, this was something. So when we understand that demons are real, we have to not be scared. We're not scared of demons. We have to know how to guard ourselves against them. We need to know how to protect ourselves. And we do things daily, we do things weekly, and we do things monthly. Very simple. Daily, in my daily prayers, in my reading of, of, my, of the Bible, as I'm praying, I do this daily, and I also am offering my, my repentance. In the last 10 hours, however I've been awake, what did I do wrong that I should have done better? I sit with God. I spend that time. Now, what will the demons do? Make you busy, get you distracted. Yes, they'll tell you, repent. If you've ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, yeah, yeah, repent or pray. That's very good, but do that later. Don't do it now. So they push it off. But if we do that daily, we've done our daily practice. Our weekly practice is to come to church and to take communion. And our monthly practice is to confess. At the end of the story, we have Christ saying, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? He asked this question then. He's asking this question again today. Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Who is my mother? And he says, he looks around, he says, Those who do the will of God. Those who do the will of God are my mother and my brother and my sister. And he said this not to put St. Mary down, but to raise her up. She's my mother because she does the will of God. And yesterday we had, in last night in the Vespers Gospel, a woman shouted and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you. So essentially, blessed is the woman who gave birth to you. But Jesus Christ responds and says, She's not blessed because she gave birth to me. She's not blessed because she had certain anatomy or a certain physiology. She's not blessed because she was uh, my physical mother. He says, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, which is exactly what St. Mary did. On the Annunciation, which we celebrate the conception of Christ, she hears the word of God from Gabriel and she keeps it. And this is why she's blessed. But when Christ asks us, are you my brother? Are you my sister? He's asking us, are you doing the will of God? So it requires us first to hear and requires us to do. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, where Christ says very, very bluntly, not everyone who calls me Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you evildoers. It requires us hearing the Word of God and doing it. And for those of you who know the Sermon on the Mount, he immediately goes in to describe those who hear the Word of God and do it versus those who hear the Word of God and do not do it. 
Everyone then who hears the word of mine, my, these words of mine, and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So first point was about the reality of demons, and that we have to have that three, those three practices, daily, weekly, monthly. The second is, who are my mother, who are my brothers and my sisters? And this requires us to hear the word of God and to do it and to do His will. The third point is that there is a joy that comes with obedience. The, there's a joy of obedience. I almost want to say there's a joy in being a servant of the Lord. There's a joy in being His slave, if we want to use that word. There's a joy in being part of the flock, part of the sheep. Today, to be called, you're just, you're just a follower. You're just a part of the flock. You're just part of the sheep. This can be looked at as a very negative, in a negative way. It could be looked at as someone is putting you down. You have no mind to think for yourself. You have no ability to figure out what's right and what's wrong. You just got to follow what somebody else says. And you can't do your own thing. And that in our culture is, is, not, is not accepted, is not basically understood. But for us as Christians to be part of the flock, to be part of the flock of Christ is a great joy. He says to us, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd goes out before his sheep. The good shepherd calls each sheep, knows each one by name. The good shepherd is the one that leads them out. They hear his voice and they follow him. And if you read the passage of the Good Shepherd, which is in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, no, come on, this is, this is ABC's, John chapter 10, John chapter 10, go home and read it tonight, your homework, Hannah, John chapter I have, I have no hope in the adults. I have hope in the kids. John chapter 10. So John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. But then afterwards, the Jews gathered around him. After he said all of these beautiful words about I am the good shepherd, the Jews gathered around him afterwards and said, tell us if you're the Christ. Tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them and says, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear me witness, and you do not believe. Because, he says, listen, listen to these words. You do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hands. So Jesus says, there are those who know me and are my sheep, and there are those who just refuse, who just do not want to be part of the flock. 
is different from the lost sheep. The lost sheep, when we mix with this, the lost sheep is the one that, out of ignorance, without, without wanting to get lost, got lost. You see, the sheep need to be with the flock, and they need to be with the shepherd. That is where they're protected. That is where they get food. That is where they get shelter. That is where they get water. It's with that shepherd. When they go off, and they're on their own, they can't survive. And they know this. They know that this is why they stay as a flock. So when the one that leaves is found, it's happy. It's not going to run further away. It's not going to get further uh, from, the, from the shepherd. It's going to see the shepherd and come back to the shepherd. And there is a difference between, by the way, the shepherd, and uh, I was listening to Father Tom Hopko on this, is there's a difference between a shepherd and the butcher. He sees the butcher and he runs away. He know, but he knows the shepherd. The shepherd is not the butcher. And this is, this is different, you know, this is the, the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. So the shepherd, he says, I am the good shepherd. But there are so many things that keep us away from the good shepherd. But when we think about the joy of obedience, that the commandments of God are not restrictions to make your life miserable. The commandments of God are a source of joy and save us from so much. They're a source of joy and they save us from so much. They save us from opening up ourselves to all the problems of this world, whether they're addictions or demonic forces. They open up, they, they save us from falling into the snares and the traps of the evil one. It's like, it's like uh, guardrails on the road saving us. They open for, to us... Um, hearing more and more the voice of God when we follow the commandments. When we're faithful in one or two commandments, three or four commandments, then we're given the opportunity more and more to follow and to live. And some people, as they're getting pushed more and more in their life, certain commandments become more and more um, central in their lives. Like, for example, when we when we get older and we have more and more problems with the people around us, and then we find love, love your enemies, becomes something, wait, I have to do this. And then we have to seek after loving our enemies, how to love our enemies. And in how to love our enemies, that's one of those commandments that we have to learn to follow. But this begins to be a joy to us. There is a saint by the name of Beeman. He said, our own will is like a wall between us and God, our own will. And it prevents us from coming near to Him to contemplating His mercy. But when we get rid of our own will and decide to be obedient to His will, then we become closer and closer to Him contemplating His mercy. There are those who, who are, have a difficulty following and being obedient to the will of God. And there are obstacles, right? We can set ourselves up for failure when it comes to our Christian life. We set ourselves up for failure in our Christian life when we surround ourselves with people who are not Christian. They can be good people, I'm not judging. They can be people that are very nice, very kind, very loving. But when we surround ourselves with people who are not Christian, the messages that we hear will not be Christian. And then over time, we start to get broken or worn down. Kind of like um, 
subliminal message, subconscious messages that are given to us. And this could be through social media, it could be through the friends around us, it could be just with whatever we're allowing to enter into our ears and into our minds. There is listening to the wrong people. As opposed to listening to the people who are struggling in their relationship with God to the best of their ability. Now, I didn't say listening to the saints. I didn't say listening to your parents. I said listening to those who are struggling. Because those who are struggling have the right idea. We have to work harder. I'm not perfect. I, I'm not a perfect individual, but I'm trying. I'm trying to the best of my ability. And these are the people that we have to surround ourselves with, those who are trying. You surround yourself with the people that are trying to fast Wednesdays and Fridays, as opposed to the people that make fun of fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays. Or the people that are, are interested in going to church, as opposed to those who put down the practice of going to church. And not only do we need to stop giving ear to these wrong sources of instruction, but we also have to create for ourselves a positive, right atmosphere. It's not just about, like for example, if we're in a, having our diets, it's not just about cutting all the bad food, it's also about eating good food, healthy food. And the same is true in our spiritual life. We have to listen to what is good. And that means I have to create that atmosphere. And if you create the atmosphere, you hear the voice of God, if you're listening. So that means quieting the TV, quieting all the, you know, the social media, putting our stuff away, not listening to any of that stuff, and just sitting in the presence of God, reading, reading His Word, praying the Agbeya, looking to Him to speak to us. There are those, and it's said in the, in the Desert Fathers, there are three powers of Satan which are the beginning of all sin. And that is forgetfulness, and then negligence, and then desire. He says, this, the fathers would say forgetfulness, meaning we hear, but we just, well, just not on our minds, we forget it. When we forget, we become negligent. And then when we become negligent, it produces within us desire, and then the desire causes us to fall. Another wonderful example was given in the Desert Fathers of, of a lantern. If you guys can remember, I'll try to describe it for those of you who have never seen one of these, like a gas lantern, which you have gas down here, you have something to, put to, to adjust the wick, and the wick is usually a very thick material that you, you, you'll reuse for a very long time, and then you have the, the area of the light. And, and, they, and they said, our soul is like this. He says, and when we keep watch, when we're trying not to be forgetful or careless, then our, our, our light is lit. But the enemy overthrows us when our light goes out. He says, it's like a lamp that gives light when it has oil and a nice trimmed wick. But if the oil is forgotten, and that could be our service, that could be, um, you could, Mike, you could sit there. there there's, you, you have that wick, you have that oil, and you have that light. And he says that oil, when it goes out, when it's not being paid attention to, and the oil that we have is the works that we do. He says when the oil goes, 
and is forgotten about, and it slowly goes out little by little, then we have what are called the shadows begin to creep in. And if a mouse says where to come and try to eat the wick before it goes out, of course there's the heat. But if it sees and watches that the light goes away and that the heat then goes away, then it will come and will knock it over and go after that wick that it wants to chew on. What's the, what's the example here? It's, it's our own life. When our spiritual life becomes colder and colder and colder, that's when the enemy is watching. And the enemy, Satan, has, has thousands of years of experience with humanity. Ever since Adam and Eve, the devil's been studying us, knows exactly, exactly what's happened, leaves us for a time, leaves us for a period, and then comes back to see, is it right? Oh, now's the right time. They, they went to college, and, the, and their, their hearts are becoming cold. Or they stopped going to church, their hearts are becoming cold. Let me introduce friend number one. <laughs> friend number one will come in and start diverting the person further, further away. Then, then friend number two, then friend number three, right? This is when we start to see a difference in the, in the people that we were surrounded with before versus afterwards. But his solution was this. If a person is Godward in his heart and is a good person, even if he's caught in temporary negligence, like he just sinned a little bit, God will be merciful to that person, remind that person, wake that person up, and bring that person back. But the longer that we stay away, the colder our hearts become, the easier it is for the devil to come in and, and pull us into sin. So the points that I were coming up with, just in, in, in summary, from this gospel, is that first off, well, first off, I said, two reasons to miss church. What were those two reasons? We say it in the, in the litany. Remember, O Lord, those who are sick or, de or departed. Those people are, are wishing they could be with us. And we have this opportunity, so we take advantage of that opportunity that we could be here in the church. And then we pray for those who couldn't come. First point that I said after that was that the, de the demons and the work of the demons is very real. And we have to understand this. We have to take this seriously. That if we stop praying to God and asking for the protection of the saints, if we stop our, our weekly, our daily, our weekly and our monthly practices, our daily practices of what? Prayer and repentance, daily repentance, reading our Bibles, our Igbeya, our weekly practice of what? Yes, yeah, somebody said fasting too. The weekly... Fasting Wednesdays and Fridays, also a very important part of that weekly practice. Uh, honestly, out of all the fasts, Great Lent, yes, is important, and Holy 50 Days, and St. Mary's Fast, which I'm sure nobody is allowed to skip or miss with our, with our mothers around. We're not allowed to... But Wednesdays and Fridays is very important, very, very important in our spiritual lives. It's always reminding us, yes, I have to come back. Yes, I have to repent. So the Wednesday and Friday, that, that weekly practice coming to church, taking communion, weekly practice. And then what's the monthly practice? Confession. Confession monthly. Demons are real, but we protect ourselves against them with those practices. 
Number two is Christ is asking, who are my mother and who are my brothers? My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and they do it. Those that are doing the will of God, seeking it out to hear it and to do it. And building our lives on that is like building our house upon the rock. Number three was that there is a joy in obeying the commandments of God. A joy that's more than what you can get from disobeying any of those commandments. You know, if we disobey a commandment, we think we're going to get joy from this disobedience. Not true. It'll, it'll, it'll send us into this downward spiral. Number three. Four is that, yes, there are obstacles to obedience, listening to the wrong people, surrounding us with the wrong, with the wrong influences. But what we need to do is fight against those obstacles, not surround us with the wrong people, not give ear to those other bad influences. Knowing that if we become forgetful, we will become negligent. And if we become negligent, it will inflame desire within us for that which is not good. And that desire will lead to our fall. But God is merciful. We want to be of His flock. We want to follow the Good Shepherd. We want to hear His voice and to follow it so that we can be one of His flock. May God be glorified in our lives. May God be uh, merciful to us and guide us by His grace to always hear His voice and to follow His commandments. To Him be the glory the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen.